0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me for a chat today is Hannah Daly, mum of four, occupational therapist who has dyslexia, dyspraxia and severe sensory processing disorder and is the author of Knowing No Boundaries. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi Stephanie, thank for having me. How are you me. doing? Not too bad, thank you. Uh,
1: lots of people were really excited when I said that you were coming on the podcast. You have a very loyal and interested Instagram following, do you?
0: Um, it was only starting. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> um, but no, I've been an occupational therapist working in the area of neurodiversity for a good few years now, over 10 years. So... That's probably it. And I've recently published a book called Knowing No Boundaries, um, which details my life of growing up with severe dyslexia, dyspraxia and sensory processing disorder. Um, And since then, I have a massive... um, positive feedback that I'm actually on my second print run now already oh amazing so it's a new followers I think is probably
1: <laughs> yeah well they're very loyal and very excited Um, so did you know we'll kind of go through a little bit of the book like did you know that you were dyslexic and dyspraxic early on or did you come to it later in life
0: yeah no so I was initially diagnosed as having dyspraxia when I was I think about six or seven because I kept falling over splitting my head open oh, cool. um, do you want to
1: tell the listeners what dyspraxia is because they might yeah, not know yeah
0: fair enough it's a motor coordination disorder that affects um, your gross motor and fine motor. So like the gross motor is like the walking, jumping, climbing, skipping. Um, and then the fine motor is like tying your shoelaces, um, zipping up your coat, using knives and forks. So I talk about in the book as well, that I only learned when I was 18 to use a knife and fork when a boyfriend taught me how to do it.
1: What so, had you been doing up to then? Um,
0: using my hands a lot. Okay. Um, and then shoveling with my, using a spoon and shoveling in, because I would do a hook kind of posture with my wrists and just kind of hope for the best. Or I'd always order pizza or like burgers. Things or you chips. can eat with your exactly. hands. Exactly. Um, until when I was a uh, beautiful, sophisticated, you know, European boyfriend who was like 23 I think and I was 18 and he's like you can't eat like that (laughs) or I'm not taking you to any more restaurants Um, and I was like but I don't know any other way to eat and he's like I'll show you and he did he came over and and literally taught me how to use cutlery
1: and had no one tried to teach you before that or what was it about his approach
0: and every I just was I had more skills at that stage and I was really really motivated okay to to keep my nice boyfriend
1: yes (laughs) um is he now your husband no he is not not. okay (laughs) he didn't last too long but he was there for Um, a reason
0: yeah. Um, he also told me not to take coffee or too much sugar because so that was a good, good point as well. Okay. Um, no, so dyspraxia. So back to when I was little. Yeah. So I, I, I had all these little kind of difficulties doing things um, and my mom thought I had you know a difficulty with my sight or flat feet. But actually I was assessed and was told, no, you have a thing called um, dyspraxia. But again, we didn't know about what dyspraxia means. So mm-hmm. actually you can have a type of dyspraxia that's rooted in sensory dysfunction known as somatodyspraxia. And for me, that was probably the case. So, it how does that it, manifest? Then? So, it doesn't just affect, you know, your fine and gross motor. So, obviously, if you can't um, perceive how other people are interacting with you, you can it's very hard in terms of social situations too because you're on top of other people or you you know, you you I have for me in terms of the sensory, I don't get enough vestibular input. And Vestibular is like movement, balance, coordination, mo- you know, rotation. Um so going down slides or climbing, so I love kind of I'm constantly on the go. So, yes, yeah. Um, and I also I'm the same
1: that's why I have all these balance boards and stuff I'm constantly yeah. moving I don't like yeah, so I
0: need more so you're kind of under responsive for some of that kind yeah. of input so you need lots of it so I would be the same and i proprioceptive I need a lot of that too so that's understanding where your body is in space, space. Yeah. Um, and like deep pressure heavy lifting slow and steady so I would naturally do a lot of this as a child but not knowing why yeah. and now since I've done my postgrad and sensory integration I can tell you why from a neuroanatomy perspective tell us go on okay well for example, when I put like, a, I used to love those, you know, the natural sponges. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So I
0: would put them in my mouth, fill them up with water and put them in my mouth as a child so that it would feel really full and like very um, uh, end of range kind of in my mouth. And then I'd squeeze the muscles really tightly to get all the water to come out. And it was such a pleasurable sensation. Mm-hmm. Or I'd get clothes pegs and I'd put them on my eyebrows, my eyebrows and it would feel so <laughs> good. Did you? <laughs> welcome to my gang or well, welcome I to your gang. I
1: still do it. Like I say to Noel at the end of every night, I'm like, my hand is full of icing and there's holes at the top of my fingers like get the icing out cuz i need like the deep the pressure, deep pressure. Of him to like pull basically pull off my fingers
0: that's when i go to mis- so when i go to um like get a, a spa treatment i don't i'm like i don't really like being touched cuz i don't like light touch so oh, that's I hate the tactile feathery. i'm like don't yeah. touch feathery, so i have an aversion no. to like tactile input what I seek lots of proprioceptive and people often misunderstand like proprioceptive versus tactile because you're like but you don't like to be touched it's like no no I like deep pressure I just don't like to be brushed so for example when I go like, I'm like squeeze me pull my yeah. tubey things and the lady's like I don't normally do this on people and I'm like no no I pull it tighter um, and then luckily my husband who I did marry is a physiotherapist oh so god <laughs>
1: mine isn't but he's, he's, <laughs> he's nearly there
0: he hurts but no he's, it's great um, and I call like the tubey things and like then some of the time you know Things I Is would the do Things like what I'm describing, like kind of. So if I was to take your arm and like pull down oh, yeah. really deep and like stretch you out. Yeah, like yeah. Trying to get icing. Out or I finger. do this thing where you kind of like bind your fingers over your head and you squeeze it and push down. Yeah. And so regulating. Um. So I would have done those things as a child because they felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally I'd be the child that needs to move because I
1: need to move to process information.
0: Yeah, so do I. Um, Otherwise it just switches off.
1: Someone once asked me how long it takes me to write a script and I was like, about 70,000 steps. (laughs) They were like, what? And I was like, because I have to walk. Do you dictate then? No, No. but I'll walk and I'll think of the scene and then I'll just come home and type in four minutes. You know, that's the scene, doesn't it?
0: So like for me... I would be like that so when I did my leave in certain junior certain any any exam so I had to use I have a reading age of a seven year old so I have to use readers and scribes for everything You currently like, have the reading I still have a reading age of a seven year old And you wrote a book I wrote a book and done two masters Yeah, That's amazing Well how I dictated a book Okay
1: But so, how do you have the re- how can you do a, a masters if you have the reading age of a seven year old
0: so I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was maybe 10. Okay. And then I was reassessed again when I was 17 and I still had a reading age of a seven-year-old. I went to five different primary schools, one of them a special reading school. Um, and it just didn't happen for me. Okay. So, um for me, I learned, you know, I tried all the handwriting because of the spraxy as well. It really
1: affects my handwriting. OK, is that like the motor skills of holding the pencil? Holding and the
0: pencil, you know, making the shapes um, putting the right pressure. Like I ripped pages. I have scars on my fingers from oh, trying. Hold, yes, it's okay. really difficult. Yeah. um, And I get loads of pains when I try and do that. But also the spacing of understanding that it's small and then big and um, letter formation and like they're all together and not so yes, it's, it okay. just, just doesn't work um, and then severe dyslexia in that mix too um, so all of my exam everything I've done in life has been through readers and scribes so when we were arranging this with my husband that was liaising yes, and it was because yeah. I can't you
1: yeah, know do that
0: so I have to so yes I own my own business now too I'm an occupational therapist but I outsource admin support for any reading and writing. So you're a mum of four kids. Do any of your four kids
1: have dyslexia or neurodivergent?
0: Um, at the moment, I'm not sure. My older son is seven, so my my youngest is two. I have a two year old, a three year old, a five year old, and a seven year old. So pretty it <laughs> really stuck them in. Um, so they haven't necessarily come to forefront yet. Yes. Um, definitely some sensory stuff there. You know. And like if you see someone like head button, I'm like, why do you feel? Why are you doing that? It's like, oh, because it feels good. It helps me feel relaxed. And I'm like, instead of doing that, do this. Yes. Um, and the little hacks. Um, but again, yeah, dyslexia would have ran in my family. Um, before that. Um, so I think I deviated. Da, 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 I, think I, the okay. I think I might have distracted you. That's okay. Easily it's done. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so that's where, so when I wrote the book, I actually just dictated the stories. But like that again, so in my leaving cert when I had readers and scribes, one of the things that was really important that I could move around, even though they were like, why are you moving around? I'm like, I need to. My brain doesn't work if I don't move.
1: move. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: I can't process. And actually, like, I work with so many children and I'm saying, like, no, you don't have to sit and look at me at the top of the class. You just, if you can have like elastic bands, so like this. While I was waiting, you know, I just fidget, and actually that helps me regulate, but also process and take in more information. Um, and I'm always advocating for other people who have who need who need that, or a piece of blue tack, or little TheraBands just little things to help process information it's in rad, the day. Isn't
1: it how in school, like there's such a obsession with like, sit still and look at me. And it's like, what why do you think that that's going to help? Like that or that you're somehow being, you know, disrespectful or dis- like distracted by not looking at someone and moving around when it's like I'm actually paying more attention to you now. If you let me walk around the room and not look at you, then I would be if I sit and stare at you. When actually I'm not taking anything in, but you're satisfied because you think I'm respectful. You think you're
0: respect, yeah. And then there's the other double edge to that is if there is someone in like moving around too much, then my focus because I'm very visually stimulated. Yeah. So again, and like sometimes you go into classrooms and there's and it's gorgeous because the kids' artwork is displayed everywhere oh. and everything. Magpie. But visually, like if you come to my house, like my countertops are clean. Every my friends are like, it's so organized and clean. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't like excessive. I don't like visual. I have to close the cupboards before I can sleep. You know, I'm the same. Okay. <laughs> and now
1: I have a baby. She's 20 weeks, and they just come with so much stuff, and it's really stressful. And I, I don't want to be rude to people and say, please don't buy my child toys. Please don't buy my child loud, battery operated toys because I can't Tolerate mind her them. if they're going to be on. Like, cause I can't hear. But people just don't get it.
0: No, and I don't like, I get, I'm not a great, I dislike, not I don't like, dislike Christmas. I find it overwhelming getting presents. I don't like getting presents.
1: I love getting presents, but I don't like being watched opening them because my face it, I don't often make the face that people expect me to make I sometimes give them back
0: but it's my family know now <laughs> like I, I might get like I don't know chocolate or socks or, D- or something really practical I don't like things that aren't practical um, but like now people are which is nice people are doing experiences so like we might go for afternoon, afternoon tea. tea or something That's much nicer. yeah and it makes me feel I like don't think I've ever better.
1: related to someone more like I always say to my mum she loves giving presents and I'm like please don't give me anything that gathers dust <laughs> you know and then one time she got me a Dyson she was like, it does gather dust, but you oh, need one. Brilliant. And I was like, that, that is, is a practical. good present. I <laughs> yeah. once got
0: a Kenwood chef type thing as well. Well, yeah. my little boy did for his birthday present. But he loves making cakes and we make them together. Oh, that's cute. Um, So I think, yeah, OK, well, there you go. But like, I think I just feel overwhelmed. Like, I don't know, it's funny. But like then I do like gathering and I like buying other people presents, which is the weird thing. But then I have presents I buy other people are usually little practical things. And
1: I bet you people think that you're really good at buying presents because you actually listen and you pick up like... I, you know that this person is going to want this thing because you've observed.
0: Oh yeah, like probably like I've bought a few people like bike locks or things yeah. that I'm like when well, you needed one because you, you said you didn't have one.
1: Yeah, or I noticed that you didn't have one. Yeah,
0: but I have a really ridiculous memory for things like that. Like I remember, I can tell you what someone has had tree, you know. Ten years ago or twenty years ago, and they go, oh, "We've never gone." I'm like you know, you did. You said your mum cooked you chicken and blah blah blah. It's like, oh my god, she, she did, yeah. You because said two
1: years ago you didn't like onions, so I got you the sandwich without onions.
0: <laughs> but it's the weirdest little details that I recall, which meant when I was dictating the book, like people are saying, like how how is it so vivid? Like how can you remember? And I I rem- and this is part of it. So I discovered, so even though I have dyslexia, that. I have a really strong amygdala, so my emotional rec- memory is really strong. Yeah. So I recall, like, I can go back and I can tell you the sounds, the smells, the feelings, the sensations, the colors. I'm a very photographic memory as well, mm-hmm. which is why
1: when there's too much visual stuff around, it's just it's overload. Too much. Yeah. Um, do you ever get like overwhelmed by like Do you ever get a memory of something you like an, an idiot remark you made or a mistake you made twenty years ago? Like, I I really vividly remember the past as well, but. Most at the forefront are like the times that I misread a situation. And sometimes I'll just be walking down the street and it'll flash back into my memory and I'll cringe at myself all over again as if I'm back at that time.
0: Well, I'll bring it up. So I will need to say to someone, oh, Did I upset you when I did blah, 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 blah? I'm the kind of person who will clarify or just yeah. because I want to make sure that it's okay. Um, but, um, you know, I have a very, very vivid memory, so I could tell you everything I can feel that way, which is good in some ways, but equally, it's very Terrible. draining. Because <laughs> No, but it's draining. So it's part of why at night it takes me ages to go to sleep because I have to process everything, you know, literally bashing it off. Um, I call my husband, like when I was younger, I had a lot of worries and anxieties, and I had like these little worry people, so i talked to them and put them under my pillow. And now my husband's like, you've got the biggest worry person in the world. Do so you talk <laughs> you know? to him at night? Oh, then. yeah. <laughs> um, and it helps me just process and regulate. And luckily, he likes listening talking which is great yeah Um but sorry we totally deviated Uh where were we yeah so dyslexia then I was diagnosed with when as I said at the age I think of 10 um, and then again when you were older Yes, yeah, because reassessed yeah. yeah Um but the sensory processing disorder so I would recall times when I was little and this the string of the tread of the sock would touch off my little toe and I would bawl cry and strip off and like whack myself full force against the floor. So when I was doing all of this, um, my mum was like, is she naughty? Like, because I was the second, I have five siblings. So I was the middle child. So my mum's like, this is a bit different to the others, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And I would talk about the clothes hurting me. And I would say I was like princess and the pea and that I could feel it, mm-hmm. you know. And I wore baggy clothes. And like even to this day, I I tend to buy shoe sizes at least half a size bigger, I you know, larger underwear like I like things baggy because yeah. I don't like fitted tight things Same. yeah and like sports bras because like, I can not stand underwires and stuff and when I was younger I just you know my siblings said like once like oh stop we have to let Hannah home and it's like why? where am I going they're like you're adopted from a nudist colony and I was like oh okay that makes total sense because to me it did
1: you prefer to be naked
0: and I just felt so different I just yeah. knew I was so different like I would have had those tantrums like again I'm the rule police so like my um in, in play school, like my neighbour, the first time she met me was crying my eyes out, having a full blown tantrum because another girl stole a boy's crayon. And the teacher was like, no, no, we have more crayons. Don't worry. And I'm like, that's not the point. You, you don't steal crayons. Yeah. Yeah, so like to the extent where I'd have a massive meltdown, it would just become too much. Um, so I think some of those, along with the pegs in my eyes and dislike touch, but then like being very heavy handed and, you know, needing to like I can't tolerate in terms of the sensory overload like I'd love to bring my kids to Disneyland but the last time I went to Disneyland I went with my husband and my family and I queued so many times but got overwhelmed because people were in my space
1: mm-hmm. and, and brushing, I, like, up against you. brushing
0: up and smoking and like noises that I didn't actually make it onto a ride and, and I had like a massive meltdown okay. and to the extent where they actually gave me at the end they were like I think you need a special pass and I'm like no it's not I don't mind queuing I just can't queue queue yeah. um, but it, it has it means I I won't bring my kids to Disneyland because I can't do the, I can't stand Stand. the risk of that. And I don't want my kids to see me getting upset. Yes, Um, I totally
1: wrote everything that you're saying.
0: Yeah. So like those kind of sensations. So as an adult, it's a little bit more understanding those triggers where as a child, I didn't know, but the, the sensory stuff was obviously there. I'd talk about smells, really strong smells. So I'd have an over like in terms of noise, visual um, tactile and and uh, olfactory. So smells and tastes would be very strong and then a reduce reduction in vestibular and proprioceptive. So I need more of them. So mm-hmm. the different wave levels are. If. So I, I, I you know, I can tolerate certain amounts of the you know, unknown. If it was queuing for one ride, I'd probably cope. You know, I'd probably do some, you know, get my husband to wrap his arms around me or push down or I'd listen to music or I'd try and zone out. But you can't do that For, for the
1: whole day. All the and time. And also I'm now like-
0: I'm responsible for four little people with their little tantrums and their little needs. Yes, yeah. So, you know, you need to change how you do some of these things. Um but the sensory. So, yeah, formally was when I went back and did a postgrad um, qualification in sensory integration, I suppose, was when I could actually profile myself properly.
1: Did you. I'm just interested because I'm autistic. Okay. And what. have? And there's just so much of what you were saying that I relate to as an autistic person. What's the kind of overlap between your, let's say, three diagnoses? Of dyslexia, dyspraxia, and sensory processing disorder, and autism—like, what do you-
0: I think it's all on spectrum? So it's all neurodiverse. But neurodiverse, like, I would—I I work a lot with um, people who have a diagnosis of autism already, and then I would be reassessing and saying. Not reassessing, but assessing for dyspraxia and saying you also have dyspraxia. Okay. So
1: there is a massive overlap. Yeah, Um, because I was also assessed for ADHD, which I don't have. Yeah. Um, But I know that there's a a lot of...
0: And sometimes dyspraxia might present, people with ADHD might present a bit like dyspraxia because if you're not able to focus or pay attention, you might knock into things more or take longer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I look for definitely is when we're doing the different tests, like it's all standardised, if you perform better on your first go as opposed to your second go, it might be an indication that it's less about the motor and more about attention because then you get bored. Yes. OK, because that's why you might do better the first time as opposed to the skill. So there's a, there is a massive overlap. Um, and I suppose what I'm trying to well, the reason of the book, I suppose, is a to highlight these conditions. So other people out there know that they're not alone if they have experienced some of what I've gone through, but also to society to say it doesn't really matter if we come with these labels or whatever. If you're more inclusive and you value everyone as an individual, then life is going to be easier for people. And you'll have more positive mental health and well-being and you'll have a more inclusive society, regardless of why a person might my identify themselves is. as feeling
1: different. Can I ask you, and this is sort of like beside the point and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but um, obviously my baby is very small and I found pregnancy really difficult as an autistic person. The sensory issues, the uncertainty, not being able to regulate myself as i usually was because like with the balance stuff because my center of gravity changed and i couldn't balance and now as a mother of a young child balancing my needs with her needs so you know sometimes her crying overstimulates me but i have to still tend to her how did you navigate like pregnancy and motherhood balancing like your needs with their needs
0: yeah, I, I always thought I wouldn't be able to deal with the nine months. I'd be like, i get to six and be like, come out. Yes. <laughs> you know, but actually it was fine. Um, the centre of balance, absolutely. Like I didn't get, again, because of spasticity. I didn't get my driving licence a lot later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was practising driving while I was pregnant and your spatial awareness just gets even worse. What's... So like that didn't happen. Um, you're just tired. So like I have to work so hard all the time to like to talk, to walk, to... To, to be regulated, like there's a lot not to talk to walk, but like basically everything I do takes a lot more effort than you know, a person who doesn't person. have these t- difficulties. Um, which means when you're tired, it's even more. So, I I found that a bit hard. Um, tightness, like the over the bump, under the bump, <laughs> like getting bigger. It wasn't that wasn't too bad. I thought I wasn't gonna like the sensation of feeling different. Yeah. Um but actually that was fine. Um the appointments, yeah, I just I I just really just like the queuing or the waiting or the unknown factor of how long it's gonna take. Um and then I wanted the baby out like before, I, you know, is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? Yeah, what is day it coming? is it gonna come? What time is it and gonna come? My husband's come? like, I don't know. Do you think it's coming tomorrow? I don't know. You know, and I just found that and then I'd be did annoyed. Did you find out the
1: genders on each of them?
0: No, we found out on the first two and then not for the last two. How
1: did you tolerate that? I just wouldn't I was like, tell me, like I cannot. There'll be enough surprises. Well
0: that's what I thought, but the first but by the time you do three or four, like yes, there's not okay. much surprises left. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, this is it. Um but the the boys, yeah, I found out they were boys. Um, they were my first two and then the girls are the second two. But the what are the other things that in terms of pregnancy, the tiredness was a massive one just and just the speech, like for me my speech get it's harder to speak and stuff when I get very tired. Mm-hmm. Um Same. I'd get verbal dyspraxia a little bit sometimes. I might find or struggle and be like, The house goat, the house goat, the house goat my husband's like, I don't know what you mean. You definitely don't mean the house goat. I'm like, No <laughs> But like it's just I just have to just go with it and accept it. Um, and I listen to my body. I think that's really, really important. So no pressure to do things or feel things. Um yeah. And then, like, I, just not knowing, like, are these braxton and Hicks? Are these the real things? And it's one of those pregnancies you don't know when you're in labour until you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so much, even the second one, I'm like, oh, I, sh- I shouldn't remember this. Like, this is, no, this isn't how it's meant to be. Um, but then actually, when the baby comes, the sleep deprivation, because I love sleep. Yeah. So you're broken, broken sleep, like you're up and down. Um, and I found, now I breastfed all mine, but I found that... Just putting the baby on on the boob was like amazing. I just suddenly felt better emotionally. It just kind of regulated me. Just was like, oh,
1: this is. Uh, I think there was a scent like I breastfeed Rory as well, and just this feeling of like, okay, there's nothing else I need to do now. I can just sit here, and I f- felt like it made me a lot less anxious. Like whenever she was at the breast.
0: Yeah, but I also like I'm a devil for a project. <laughs> so like I may have like well we went we were buying our house and like doing up a house and like stripping wallpaper and like you know or making jam or like you know I just like to be. Even though I'm like, I should have probably listened to, I should have probably sat back a little bit more and enjoyed the first when you can
1: kind of just take it handy or, um, but. I don't know, I don't really like take, we're selling our house at the moment to moving. Oh, jeepers. Um, Like, we're, I relate to everything you're saying, but I, I just, I found maternity leave, like, she's only 20 weeks and I, I, I'm finished because. I just couldn't. I need like a root- something a scale, oh. like a routine or something. And, and just to be at home with her was not.
0: No, well, I I I love social interaction um, and I joined the breastfeeding group and like I've made so many friends like over the years like because of it. But I would be like, OK, so we're doing a play great in mine and because I work with Peds, I'd be like, OK, tummy time. And I'd be doing like little, like clap, like little groups for the clap kids. Things, yeah. kind of, well, kind of like things I would have done with like the kids I would have worked with yes. um, initially. And I'd like have tea and scones and like the moms would come over and then it just kind of now we do like a book club or we do like games night, couples games night, whatever, like and they like the kids don't really feature. But like it was a really nice having people because we just moved. I'd moved back from London to Dublin with like a 10 day old baby as oh, you wow. do as you do <laughs> as you do so that's when we made like all these new in a new area so we made loads of um new friends so that that really helped i think having having other people around but otherwise no it would have gone stir
1: stir so crazy We've talked about the dyslexia and the dyspraxia, and talk about sensory processing disorder. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it with the sensory issues as a child. I had the same thing with the socks. Oh, um, really? Yeah, like I, especially ones with
0: the treads and the glitter.
1: Yeah, I used to have to turn them inside out so that the like th- that little seam thing wouldn't be near my toes. And yeah, I couldn't. You know, if like my if you're putting on a coat and the sleeve of your jumper gets you stuck to... up inside the coat, oh, I still can't cope yeah. with that. Um, when did you get diagnosed with SPD?
0: Um, unofficially My husband actually unofficially diagnosed me When we first started dating
1: Does he work in the industry too? Um, he's a physiotherapist Oh yes you said yeah, Sorry, But he
0: had been working um, In learning dif- dif- disabilities at the time And I wasn't an occupational therapist at the time So I first actually qualified as an actor And was doing drama therapy uh, Or uh, using drama as a medium um, I had like a theatre company for actors with disabilities and was working with Youth at Risk in the UK and then back here. Um, And it was from that I just met my husband. So my brother, a bit of background as well, one of my brothers had Down syndrome and was deaf. And I was, I have Irish sign language too. So I went initially to support him like on residential camps and stuff. And then I had a job and I couldn't do it. So my, um, I was asked to come in and interview for a care assistant role Mm -hmm. and I did and they said um, yeah you can go in the residential camps but will you also do like this type of job and that type of job so I started working basically during the summers while I was doing my degree in performing arts with um, like doing all sorts of work from social care work or to care assistance kind of uh, self-care stuff and then I met my husband in one of these camps and I just like came into the room and I was like oh my god I couldn't look at him I just had this really intense energy with him and I just loved how he interacted with all the kids you know singing and just being himself yeah. um, and he was very consistent which is really like a quality I seek in men <laughs> or, yeah. or friends or whatever anyway um, and and he, he said to me when I was talking about some of these sensations, he's like, oh, hey, I think you've got tactile defensiveness. I think you have this because um, he, you know, at that stage, he'd done sensory integration level one um, and that's it. We joke now I have all the levels. But <laughs> at the time, because he then specialised in sports thereafter um, and exercise medicine more so. But it was it was that that's when he kind of talked about it and actually had this book so then I was a rose in the Dublin Rose it was a Dublin Rose and the Rose Trillet and I spoke about like when I had to get the dress made for the telly the beautiful telly dress I got a really soft one and it was really flowy and you know What year were you a rose? 2008 which I realised was 15 years ago I sat in the sofa a few days ago my husband going that can't be that can't be 15 years ago I can't be that much older and it's like gosh yeah 15 years ago Yikes. But anyway, that's when I suppose, so 15 years ago, I figured out I had all these things. But that's I always knew I was I always knew and would talk about the sensations prior to that. I just didn't have, have the, the label. name for it. Or the yeah.
1: Label. And what do you think is the benefit of having the label or do you think there is any?
0: Um, I think understanding it more. Absolutely. So when I go to like hotels and stuff, um, I can communicate more effectively before before I like because of noise or like you know, like there's a certain hotel I go to that I will say I want room 13. Okay. Because it's not near this noise, it's not near that noise. And it's, so I keep getting the same room every time we go back. And do they know why? Um, yeah, I try to explain it. And like, like about the sensory component and they don't always get it sometimes they do so I went into a restaurant in London we'd ordered a really quiet table um and he's like it's a loud restaurant and my husband was trying to explain um often they think he says oh so you're autistic I'm like not quite It's similar but different you know um but he was really good and he got me he goes what about this table and he'd really kind of figured it out and I was like afterwards I left and said thank you for making me feel so you know you handle that so well I felt so dignified I didn't feel like stressed because of it and I had an amazing experience thank you so much yeah but that didn't take much from him but it made my experience so much different and yeah. um, so I think if there's more awareness it would make a massive difference um in terms of the it doesn't matter I think understanding like I'm not everyone who has these conditions are going to go and do a postgrad in it you know and understand mm-hmm. it at that level but it definitely is amazing that I can do all those things um, and the families I get to work with to be able to suggest the activities and show them how. It has to be fun, play-based. It has to be very motivation motivational. If we're going to change things, we have to
1: the drive has to be within us like you were saying with the knife and fork like you really really wanted to learn that and so you were driven to do it
0: and I did some integration stuff myself when I was a kid I used to go through tyre swings and I could tolerate the muck and the dust and the dirt because I was getting lots of I was using my upper limbs to push through my arms and getting proprioceptive while swinging so I had my vestibular system working so do you like swinging from two points or a single point um Two points? Well, I don't like rotation as much. Yes, okay, yeah. yeah. So linear is always more regulating Same. and calming. Yeah. Um, so, but you can, if there's a single point, you can still make it go linear if you want. And yeah. sometimes I would do that. Or likewise, the cuddle swings. So in my practice, I would have swings and physio balls and peanut balls and lycra tunnels and all this type of stuff, which is amazing. Um, my kids are like, can we go to mommy's work? Which is nice. <laughs> um, But... Yeah, so there is a benefit I think of knowing absolutely, um, and understanding what your triggers are and why why you need to do different things. But more so for me as an individual rather than teachers or other people. But equally, if a teacher or an employer is willing to take that on board. So, for example, these really bright lights. Yeah. So I they give me like it's too much in my if I was to sit here the whole time, um. So I had the the maintenance guy unscrew it when I was in work, so I'd have no light directly above me. Yes. Yeah it's just like the little things
1: the one time this light was here was flickering and I had to like we had, we had to change it we had to turn off the lights and bring in a lamp because I couldn't like I wouldn't wasn't able to focus on the person who was talking yeah. to me I was like I can't like because my brain doesn't know which is more important to focus on and so it's focusing on this flickering but it, light but it's
0: not that it's focused on you're trying to, to block out the flicker, flickering light in order yes. to, to, you know what I mean. You're actually, but the energy, it's the energy took to is huge. Out. Exactly. I can't.
1: I don't have any energy to listen to you. Yeah, you know? it's because
0: because you're just trying to keep it together. And I'd be the same. So there was noise, and I'm I'm sorry, we can't do this assessment in this room today because, yeah. of, you know, or I like I've I've stayed in hotel rooms before and have taken the fuse out because of the noise of the bathroom and foregone charging a phone or anything else or te- having an option for the telly because I just need yeah, it. hear the
1: electricity too sometimes, and like sometimes. I'm like, what is that noise? Nobody can hear anything. And I like, well, the, f- the heating is on. I'm like, it's really loud. It's really loud. Yeah. <laughs> so can't. you have
0: like, so if you think about like a colander or something mm-hmm. that you have too much information coming in.
1: But I also can't tolerate silence. Okay. I, I can't.
0: So your fine line is quite small then the difference between too much noise and not enough noise is very it's a small little overlap
1: I like white noise that's I can concentrate with white noise but I can't concentrate if there's no noise I need something in the background but it has to be at a very particular level and if it's too loud I can't concentrate and if there's none I can't concentrate which is very annoying and people I think people are more sympathetic to one or the other you know (laughs) but when you're like "Mm, there's a Goldilocks zone they're like oh get over yourself but you're like I'm autistic I literally can't get over myself it's just my brain
0: Yeah that's not
1: funny yeah, it's very odd. But, but
0: no, is that, there is a small threshold between the two. Is there? For, for lots of people. It's okay. like same with movement. So they, they can't, they're, they're asleep unless they move. But as soon as they move, they get too giddy and distractible and dysregulated. I understand, yeah. And
1: you're saying, no, there's a there's a happy place. But it's a small, the space in between is very small. Just taking a break from my podcast to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. It's called Personality Bingo. So Tom Moran is back with his podcast Personality Bingo each episode. It uses randomly selected questions chosen by bingo balls and then Tom interviews a special guest to get a fun and usually insightful glimpse into their lives. Definitely one to listen to. Hey guys, Tom Moran here. I am the host of Personality Bingo, a podcast where we put 60 minutes on the clock. We've got a bingo machine with 60 balls in it. Here you go and we've got 60 corresponding questions. The questions can be anything from have you ever seen a ghost to what's the most important quality for you and a romantic partner to have you ever or would you ever consider seeing a fortune teller. In season two of Personality Bingo we've got episodes with Brezzy, we've got Emma Kerwin, we've got Justine Stafford. If you want to go back into the archives we've got 130 episodes there including episodes with Paul Meskel. That's Personality Bingo with me, Tom Moore. So I'm just, when I told people that you were coming on the podcast, I got some questions and I just want to make sure that we've covered those things. Okay. We may not have. We probably haven't. Um, so someone says, this is not a question, but Hannah is so brilliant with neurodiver- neurodivergent children. My little boy loved her. So there's oh, the props thank you. for you. Um, is there any awareness or interest from maternity professionals on facilitating neurodivergence? Well, I, I can't really speak to the awareness of maternity professionals because I'm not one, but my experience of being in a maternity setting was that there wasn't but they were willing to listen to me and what I needed but that meant that the onus was on me to know what I needed which was difficult was that what you felt? Um,
0: yeah there definitely wasn't a different door or entrance or form or whatever Yeah. Um, or if there was a form I didn't fill it out yeah. <laughs> um, No I asked for help because of my severity of my dyslexia means forms or reading or doing a medical history and all that I had to give information on. Again the light thing we were just talking about when getting ready to deliver the baby I had mm-hmm. to say I need the light off and they, they agreed to have the light off until I was pushing because they yes. obviously need to be able to see yes. but it, it actually progressed the labour quicker by not having the light on. Because the stress. Yeah the waiting killed me not knowing when I could or couldn't you know you know because you, you get a ticket you come I was in the public sector and you get a ticket you come or whatever and there's loads of people at the same time um, so that that was a hard thing, and then you constantly see different staff members. Um, but I did the Domino scheme for which I thought was much better too, because you didn't have as many people, so you didn't wait as long. Yes. You could do it at uh, your community settings, um, and the midwives were more consistent, so that was really good. But that's just for anybody and everybody, and actually, that's, that's probably no harm to know about, because you know, different people might have anxiety or other issues, um or just not be very comfortable sitting in busy environments. But again, the noise, the bright lights, the boom, boom, boom music. Like I think in hospitals in general, we could make it a lot more less stressful for everyone. Yeah, like, like universal music.
1: accommodations. Yeah. yeah,
0: like have a little bit of like relaxing music, not have bright lights, you know, maybe even have little kind of individual sections so that you're not in the room with like 30 people, people. around you. And um, smells again, like I post baby, I wanted to get home as quick as possible. So I left the hospital after like 12 as short as time as possible. That's
1: funny. I wanted to stay and I'd still be there if they'd let me. <laughs> like, I really wanted to stay there forever.
0: But it was the it was the smells of the people and the the in the cubicle beside me okay. and the noise and the lights and other people's babies crying and the staff moving and a chink. I'm a really bad sleeper anyway. Yes, yeah. Um but my last baby I had a home birth because oh, wow. I was in the middle of covert, and my other babies were all very straightforward labors um and I don't like gas and air and you know didn't need pain relief. So I I chose a home birth, and I actually got to have the midwife was amazing. Um, and she was consistent, and it was really important because, um, my I had lost my brother was was dying and died a few months before oh, I was sorry. due the baby, and thanks. And she she got it, and she knew, you know, as well as it being middle of COVID. But I was lucky; I was a good candidate. I live very close to the hospital, um, and. You know, it was low risk. So and if there was any and the midwife was very local as well, so it was all fine. But she was outstanding. I had a water birth and it was the most relaxing thing ever. My kids were there and afterwards I was back in bed everything cleaned up within like a couple of hours and my like breastfeeding was easier ba- baby gained the, mo- the most weight than any of them did you yeah. know because it was less traumatic it was a really you know and like we still message each other sometimes <laughs> like, so cute like, like she's like she's amazing and like she's another new mom moved into the area then and she's like do you mind if I give her your number and I was like no of course and they were like really good friends we actually have like one day apart in our birthdays oh, like cute. which is madness but like so it, it was a different experience now it's obviously not for everyone no. And
1: it's this controversial stuff But for me it, it, That was brilliant But also It's it's that thing of knowing isn't it Like I I, I love a doctor I love a hospital <laughs> I feel safe I feel like I, I couldn't have a home birth Like my best friend Rachel She's pregnant at the moment And she's going to have a home birth And I just think it's so funny How different we are And listening to you Like And I went private because, one, it's a privilege that I could afford um, because I needed the things that you're saying. And I do think that they should be available in the public system somehow because I'm not the only one. Uh, we're not the only people who need, you know, continuity of care. Knowing Everybody needs see. it. Everybody needs it and will benefit from it. But at the moment, it's only available in private and that's going to change. Private won't be available anymore because of slainty care. So that's going to be an issue because it's just not going to be available to women. Um, But... Again the same thing like I had to have the lights dimmed I had to have the machines turned down so there was no noise and then you know they were asking me if I wanted my own playlist but I actually don't like music very much so I listened to the radio just talk radio because sometimes music makes me really overwhelmed um I'll move on to the next question I think I'm getting very distracted The only thing is I
0: again when I had my little girl post baby I I had had a, two miscarriages beforehand so I was really anxious with my my little girl's pregnancy and they did like an early scan and you know they were a lot more intuitive to some of that stuff but Mm -hmm. also whatever went on hormonally for me my brother my other brother was very sick I the midwife I was saying everything's great with baby had nice delivery But I'm not ready to go. I would come to six o'clock in the evening and I would ball my eyes out. I would ball my eyes out and say, "I brought life into the world. What's the meaning of life?" (laughs) Like and and I just get couldn't. It would ruminate, and I remember saying to the midwife, "Um, no, I don't think." And she's like, "You know, there's a perinatal mental health unit," and I was like, "Yeah, maybe make a referral." And they have these things and not everybody knows about. Yes. Um and just knowing that they were there I went and talked to them once or twice. But again, in between that my first brother had passed away and they were there and I had that support to the extent where she said, if you have another child, you can come back as soon as and we'll link you in like you know, yeah. and I and they did, and that was amazing to have that support too. So I think there's a lot of really positive things that is available to anyone um and some people don't know about it. They don't know about yeah. and that they might not anticipate needing. Um, and whether it's you know a bereavement or whether it's postnatal depression or whatever it is or anxiety or maybe just you know if you are neurodiverse and are struggling that there is that support there too.
1: Yeah I'm still seeing the perinatal mental health team in Hollis Street and it's such a great support Yeah Um, So any tips for ADHD management postnatally three young kids recent diagnosis after experiencing overwhelming anxiety I think the mum has been diagnosed Okay. And she has three young kids. I guess that's kind of what we were talking about but balancing your s-
0: self-care needs. Self care is a massive thing. So, like, and I talk about in the book about that taking that one hour a week for yourself, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That actually makes you a better, a better parent. Yes, because yes. you need that, and it's not selfish. It's really important, and it might be a walk, it might be a cup of tea, it might be reading a book, um, and. Having some of those calming strategies because little, sometimes you've got like four kids and they're rubbing you and kissing you and talking to you and crying at you and you're just like sensory so overload. And right. you just have to zone out for like a little moment and realise, you know, that that's OK and that that's normal in verticamas. commas. So give yourself a break, be kinder to yourself and um, look for a bit of support and it's okay, you won't need support forever, might just be at the moment. Um, if you're struggling to kind of keep appointments and stuff, I'd say keep a diary or set reminders, Um, expect less, cert- like your house will be dirty tomorrow, you know, it's okay if, if you don't do it this minute. Mm-hmm. Or equally, sometimes I find doing activities like sorting and cleaning. So it's that occupation of engaging is quite regulating and calming. So maybe that might be you might need more movement or more kind of grounding. Um I don't know how your ADHD present or their ADHD presents. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to kind of do. But you know, it is tough sometimes and it's it's okay to feel
1: overwhelmed. Something that strikes me about you um is is like you're saying as a young child you sort of knew what you needed before you knew what it was and why. I think that a lot of people who have who are neurodivergent might not be as literate as you are in what they need. Is it possible to get a sensory profile so but f- done so that they know, oh, I actually like I have I'm lower on proprioception. I'm and and so that they'll know what they need and can find more, you know, ways of. Doing yeah, it.
0: absolutely. You can do that. Um, And you probably are doing some things anyway. Yeah. Might be chewing, chewing gum, or chewing a pen, or different things. Um, so, absolutely understanding what you like, you can do a sensory profile. I generally find looking at someone from an observation, You know, obviously, I'm qualified in it, but looking at observations when I give them certain input, how they respond
1: to it, okay, is probably m- where would you go for like to see an occupational therapist? An it? occupational
0: therapist who has a postgrad quali- postgrad qualification in sensory integration, advanced level or more, okay um because otherwise Is that what you have or do you only work with children no i have advanced level yeah oh yeah um i generally do more work with children i do a lot of work with um young or older adults um not older adults older young adults yeah young adults that's young it adults, yeah. yeah around employment and mental health um and you know living their best life um but the question yes yeah, so i don't know if we answered that one
1: we did i think kind of we answered okay that one. tell us before we finish about who the audience for the book is, who you hope reads it, where they can find it.
0: Um. So the book is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um. It's it's funny. It's sad. It's honest. It's raw. It's unfiltered. Um. Which is what you get with me. Yeah. Um. It's for everyone. But like, I think I'd love people who maybe are the policymakers to, in my and you know, people who make systems understand a bit more of an alternative kind of ex- lived experience and mm-hmm. um, it's for parents of kids who are neurodiverse it's for the individual themselves like some people have given this book but they've read it first themselves and mm-hmm. decided it's okay and said like you know because it goes into early it goes into each chapter like early childhood teenage years or whatever and um, and it's my journey and you know teenagers have read it as well and relate to it mm-hmm. Um, especially like i'd love everyone to read it because there's something in there that other people will people will find. So the the feedback I have got so far is people being like, "Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for, you know, giving me hope. Thank you so much for getting this conversation going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just you know I needed this. This came at the right time for me. You've no idea what I've been going through. This is the shove I needed. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's been really useful. And then teachers even have been saying like, you know, you've given you've given me I'm going to change how I practice now. Um, therapists, occupational therapists who've read it are saying, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. You've illustrated this and this. Yeah. Um. So it's for everyone and anyone. There's a book when I was doing the theatre studies called The Debt of the Author," mm-hmm. which means when you produce something like it's actually the audience that then interpret. So it doesn't matter what I want people to feel or think they're going to they're interpret. It. Yes. So it's for whatever they need to take from it, they can take from it.
1: And where can people find it?
0: Um it's available in um Kenny's, O'Mahony's, chapters, Hodges Figs, um Dubray, uh, loads of book loads of local Irish bookshops. It's yep. also on Amazon. There's an audio book, a really important that I wanted it to have an audio because I didn't want to write a book that I couldn't access. Yeah. Um so Claire McKenna does amazing audio um, voice acting for it and it's also available on Kindle so you can see knowingnoboundaries.com for more information on it
1: okay Hannah Daly thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thanks a million and you have listened to another episode of Basically if you have any questions or anything you can find me on Instagram at Stephanie Preisner. but that is it for today our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara we're produced today by Julie Hassett and we're part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network see you next week If you are enjoying my podcast and you're enjoying my Instagram content and you think, you know what? How can I help Stephanie? How can I support Stephanie? I just want to give back, you know. There's a way. There is a way. Cam, you can sign up to become a Headstuff Plus member. It'll give you bonus content, content, extra episodes, and you can sign off by going to headstuffpodcasts.com. You become kind of one of the Headstuff community at that point and you can get in touch with me, podcasts on demand, whatever you want covered, we'll cover it. It's definitely worth a fiver a month. Go for it.
0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com